Hello, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Friday, September 8th, 2023. I'm Mike Cachopoli. All right, here we are. End of a week again, Friday. They seem to come so quickly, don't they? They seem to come so quickly. Um, there's a lot to get to. There is. For a Friday, there's a lot to get to. And, of course, at the end of the show will be a uh, film review. But um, where do I want to start? Where do I want to start? Um, well, <laughs> you know, I couldn't believe earlier today I was uh, looking at my Twitter feed. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. The story headline was Nancy Pelosi running for re-election in 2024. I, I, I could not believe that Nancy Pelosi was running again. Now, uh, at the, uh, I was at the San Francisco Republican Party debate watch for the first GOP debate a couple of weeks ago, and I met a young guy who I'll have on the show hopefully in the next week or so um, named Bruce Liu, who is running, 26 years old, uh, running for that seat next year, running for the uh, congressional district that uh, <clears throat> is basically San Francisco. Uh, it's Pelosi's district. Now, just a couple of weeks ago at this debate party, no one thought Pelosi was going to run again. Everyone thought that Scott Weiner, who was in the, the California House, was going to run for that seat. And now, obviously, he's not because he's not going to primary Nancy Pelosi. So, um, so Bruce, who's running out, out as a Republican, of course, will have to run against uh, Nancy Pelosi. You know, the, the system we have here in California is the top two. So it'll be it could be 20 people, right? Any party you want. You could be Republican. You could be Democrat. You could be independent. You could be libertarian. You could be green. You all go into one race. I believe it's well, I believe it'll be the primary, right? March 5th. And uh, the top two come out of that. Right. So Bruce will have to. It's, it's tough. A Republican often does not finish in the top two here. Last time around in 2020, John Dennis, who's the, the chair of the GOP party here in San Francisco, he did come in second. So he ran against Pelosi. So Bruce is hoping to be able to come in in the top two and be able to run against Nancy. But he will be in the, in the primary come March. So we were just talking and it was just everyone was just believing that Nancy Pelosi was not running again, even though there was no formal announcement. It was just kind of understood that, come on, she's what, going to be 83, 84, 85. And uh, by the time she takes office again, if you were to win in 2015, I think 85, there's no way she's going to run again. I mean, come on, baby, read, read the, uh, the tea leaves. Okay. The way the wind is blowing, people are getting tired of these octogenarian candidates, right? Right. People are getting tired of this. They are. I mean, someone who will be 87 by the time her, her next term ends. It's it's getting ridiculous. It really is. But here it goes. Look, she's running in San Francisco and she knows that the morons here will just reflexively vote for her. So if you're going to get a free two years, every two years, you're going to get another term, another. What is that? About 400 grand in your pockets. 
that's above board, forgetting everything she gets below board and with her with her fuck with her rigged stocks that she knows the outcomes and inside information. Forget all that. Just above board four hundred thousand dollar salary with the great health care and the benefits. Why not do it? Right? I mean the voters are dumb enough to continue to gift you two hundred grand a year and all that power that comes along with that position. Do it. Plus, my guess is she is hoping that Trump is the nominee, gets trounced in the general, which will happen if he's the nominee, and they'll take back the House. Now, she wouldn't be the, the speaker. It'll be Hakeem Jeffries, God forbid, but that's who it would be. But she'd once again be in the majority in the House. That's what she's hoping for. And she probably wants to go out in the majority. That's what she wants to do. Okay. She wants to go out in the majority. So she knows that. She knows if Donald Trump is the nominee, she will be once again in the majority. So that's what she's betting on. She's betting on that, right? It doesn't look as bad as it looked before, right? Where the Democrats were definitely going to lose the House. They know if Trump's the nominee, they're going to win the House. They'll have the White House. They'll have the House. They'll have the Senate. They'll get the Supreme Court back. So she wants to be there for all of that possibility. And if not, she'll still get two free years, right? Another, another two years in, in that powerful position. The question is, are people in this city going to finally say no? Are they finally going to say enough is enough? The Republican Party here is more optimistic than I am. They think San Francisco is now finally ready to vote for a Republican. I think it's a pipe dream. Don't you think it's a pipe dream? I think it's a pipe dream. I would love to see it happen. I'll talk this out with Bruce when I have him on the show here in the next week or so. But I, I just I just don't see it happening. I don't. I have no faith. I have no faith in these people here doing the right thing or saying, you know what, Nancy, we need to send a message. That even if we like you, it's an, enough's enough. You and Diane, go, go away, go into retirement, enjoy your final years on this earth outside of Washington, D.C. But I don't see it happening. So that's the news is that Nancy is going to run for re-election. She put out a statement, which I find laughable. Let me read it just to be fair. Fair and balanced, fair and balanced. Uh, did she write this? Yes. Okay. Now more than ever, our city needs to advance San Francisco values and further our recovery. Our country needs America to show the world that our flag is still there and liberty and justice for all. That's why I'm running for re-election and respectfully ask for your vote. <laughs> San Francisco values. What is that? What's a San Francisco value? Let's see. What's a San Francisco value? I don't know. What is it? The homelessness to have taken over the city? that tents are up all over the city, that people have left the city in the hundreds of thousands to get the hell out of here, that crime is taking over, that people are looting stores and small businesses are closing because they are afraid to exist. Businesses that have been here for over a hundred years are leaving. Businesses that have been here almost as long as Nancy's been alive are now closing down. These kinds of values, these are the kinds of values they want to, she wants to spread throughout the country. Is that it? Is that the kind of value she wants to spread? A city of the incredibly wealthy and the incredibly homeless? A city of the wealthy and the homeless. The, the wealthiest people in the world and the homeless. That's San Francisco. 
Small businesses out the, out the door, corporations leaving in droves. No one wants to be here. No one wants to live here. No one wants to work here. Is that San Francisco values, Nancy? Hmm. And that whole thing about our flag is still there with liberty and justice for all. Yeah, liberty and justice for all. Let me force some more jabs into people's arms. My body, my choice. Only if it's a chick. That's it. My body, my choice. Yeah, okay, Nancy. Liberty and justice for all. What, masking children? Masking children. Forcing toddlers to get the poison vaccine, to get the clot shot. That's liberty and justice for all. That's why she's running for re-election. She doesn't need to respectfully ask for anybody's vote. She knows these morons here are just going to vote for her. Regardless, you know what I think, Nancy? I, you know what? I should feel bad for Nancy. I understand, Nancy. I understand. You don't want to spend all of your time at home with your gay husband. Why would you want to be at home with your gay husband who hires hustlers, who knock him on the head when he doesn't have enough money to pay them? Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that either, Nancy. I want to be stuck in that fucking mansion with that guy 24-7, 365. You want to spend half your time in Washington, D.C., away from him. I get it. I understand. And San Franciscans will absolutely give you that right to do that for another two years. Hmm. Sometimes, you gotta, sometimes you have to have sympathy for people. Sometimes you have to have sympathy for people. And I have sympathy for Nancy, because why would she want to spend all of her time with her gay husband? And he's happy, too, because he gets to do his little action on the side when she's not around, right? She won't be around half the time, so he's probably happy about it, too, right? Gets to have some fun on the side when she's not around. So that's the story. Nancy Pelosi's running again. Nancy Pelosi's running. If we had something called term limits, obviously Nancy Pelosi would never vote for term limits. She doesn't believe in term limits because she wants these jobs for life. People like her want these jobs for 30, 40 years. They wouldn't want to be told you can only have this job for eight years or 10 years, God forbid. That's why Democrats and Republicans, too, are against term limits. Not Ron DeSantis. He said he's all for term limits for Congress. But you see a lot of Democrats and look, these people know they have jobs for life. So if they have jobs for life, why would they want to give that up? There's no reason for them to give it up, right? You can't blame them in that in that regard. They, we have to be we have to force them, right? You have to be able to force them to have term limits, right? That's the way it has to go. The public has to put pressure on them to vote for term limits. Now, the public can do it in a very easy way, which is vote them out of office after a couple of terms. But you can't rely on the American public to do the smart thing, the right thing, right? You can't rely on that. So we need. The laws changed, so they can't run for re-election after however many terms we come up with. Two terms, three terms, whatever you think is fair. Whatever we think is the collective is fair. But term limits would solve this problem. Unless someone begins running for office at 70, which shouldn't be allowed, that should be like the limit, you're not going to have 85, 90-year-olds in office because most people, you know, they get into politics in their 30s, 40s. So they're going to still be... Spring chickens, by the time they term out, wouldn't have to deal with these octogenarians in office. These things are important things to talk about.
these things are in, are important things to to work out to change if we want better representation. Okay, Vincent, I see you there. I'll get to you in a second. I just want to set up the show. So we got Pelosi running for re-election. If you want to talk about that, great. We have a a new poll which. Uh, yeah, yeah, we have a new poll which shows that uh, Donald Trump's favorable rating is 30. His unfavorable rating is 59. Okay? So that's minus 29 below sea level, 29 points below sea level. Almost double unfavorable to favorable. Now, remember, that 30 number is now. Uh, imagine where that number is going to go after. And after conviction number one, after conviction number two, after conviction, my guess is by the time he's done with his convictions, actually, after the first conviction, that number will probably be down to 21, 18, 19, 20 favorable rating. So this is a 30% favorable rating, which is about, depending on which poll you believe, eight to 10 points below Joe Biden's favorable rating. The man cannot win a general election. The man cannot win. The only thing that thing man can win, which he isn't going to win, I'll talk more about that, is the primary. But he cannot win a general election. He's done. And if he wins the nomination, he'll lose the White House, will lose the House, will lose the Senate, and eventually the Supreme Court. So that's, his, that's a new poll. You won't see Trump on, on True Social sending that poll around, will you? You won't. You won't send. You won't see that poll. You're not going to see him send around. Not at all. Uh, today, uh, by the way, uh, uh, Trump lied again. There was a an event in South Dakota, which was a planned event. It was like you know South Dakota Republican rally event, and uh, it was all planned. And all the tickets were sold. I believe six thousand. Well before he was even invited. Well before Christy Nome made the. The, what I believe, the worst decision of a political career. A very smart woman making the worst decision of a political career and endorsing Donald J. Trump. Why such a young, beautiful woman with a promising career in the Republican Party would endorse this toxic, poisonous, old, fat, bloated piece of shit is beyond me. So she's ruined her career. But anyway, of course, Trump is putting out photos of that 6,000 person event saying, look at my rally, look at the great rally, they all came out for me. No, they didn't. This is what Donald Trump does these days. He piggybacks on top of other events. Like he'll go to a WWF event and he'll say, look, they all came out for me. Look, no, they came out to see wrestlers. They came out to see people with actual physical prowess. Not you, you fat turd. And so he's doing it again now. He's showing videos of this event, which was pre-planned. All the tickets were sold before he was invited and saying it was his rally. Of course, it's not. He is a lying SOB, as always. As always, he's a lying SOB. So big mistake, big mistake. But also, we see Don Jr. today getting very nervous about Iowa. Don Jr. said they need to get their ground game going in Iowa because he feels like they're behind. Well, I don't, I don't understand. I don't get it. I've been told for the last how many months that Trump was up by eight gazillion votes. What's there to worry about? He's not up? Wait, what? Wait, no? Really? He's not? What, what are you worried about, Don Jr.? You see, Donald Trump is losing. He's not winning. And I'll read an article a little bit 
later after I get to the phone calls and stuff, uh, written in Red State by uh, uh, someone who writes for Red State. Someone who calls themselves a manic contrarian. That can't be a real name, is it? Manic contrarian? But uh, they write a good article anyway. Might be a dumb name, but a good article about how DeSantis is not losing. He's actually winning. And once again, you see the proof in the pudding when Trump has to lie about rallies, pretend rallies are his when they're not. Remember, he used to be able to get 15, 20,000 people. He didn't have to lie about that, right? In 2016, especially, even in 2020, he was getting these 10, 15,000 person rallies. Didn't have to lie. It was truth. Now he's got to lie. Why? Why? And why is Don Jump Jr. worried about Iowa? Why? And why don't they have a ground game in Iowa? Well, one reason is because Trump is broke. He's broke. He has no money to run a real ground game. He doesn't have, he's broke. All of his money goes through his defense fund and that's drying up. So he doesn't have the money to hire people to run a ground game. People aren't gonna work for free for him. So he has to hire them, can't do that. Um, and also because he's not running to win. He knows, even though his IQ isn't as high as some people think it is, he knows he can't win a general election. He understands that. He understands, he knows he's never going to be president of the United States again, but he needs to raise money for his defense fund, right? That's it. That's why he's not having a ground game. Why does he want a ground game? Why? He's not running to win. He just needs to be in it to get contributions to help keep his fat ass out of jail. Uh, so there's that. There's also some good news. I like to put in a little bit of good news. And this is a, we won a lawsuit. We won a lawsuit. The Fifth Circuit, Andrew Bailey tweeted, Attorney General Andrew Bailey, the Fifth Circuit has upheld the district court's order in our free speech case. This is Missouri v. Biden in joining the White House, Surgeon General, CDC, and FBI from violating the First Amendment's rights of millions of Americans. So this also has to do a lot with doctors, remember? being censored, the government in cahoots with Twitter, censoring people during the COVID. They won this case. We'll talk more about that. Uh, and also, also, I want to talk about this a little bit. <laughs> uh, there's a film that's coming out. I'm not reviewing this one. This isn't out yet. It was at a film festival. And it takes place in Denmark in the 1750s, right? So it takes place in Denmark in the 1750s. And at the event for this film... <laughs> The filmmaker was asked, why there not enough diversity in this film? Or, why aren't there enough black Latino people in your film, which takes place in the Denmark in the 1750s? And on top of that, on top of that, we know Hollywood has now put these strict regulations in order. If you want to be nominated for an Oscar, you have to have a certain amount of Latinos in your film. You have to, you have to set these diversity standards. We'll talk more about that absolute woke idiocy as well so there's a lot to talk about and of course i'll have a film review of the film the nun 2 the nun 2 okay uh vincent how's it going vincent you're on and let's be heard vincent are you there hello vincent vincent are you there hello vincent vincent if you go to the bottom left hand corner of your screen, you'll see the little microphone. If it's on mute, you have to unmute it. And then you can come on and talk. I cannot, I can't unmute it for you. You have to do that all on your own. 
I'll leave you there. Maybe you fell asleep. Maybe you went to get a snack. I could use a snack. I'm a little hungry. Um, but you have to unmute that mic on the bottom left-hand corner of your screen if you're not used to this. Um, and that'll put you on. But I'll leave you there, and you can just unmute your mic whenever you'd like. Um, so what do we want to go first? Let's see. I think I want to go to that story about DeSantis that was written in, uh, in Red State. And it's entitled, Is DeSantis Losing? I don't think so. Uh, so Governor DeSantis is winning the Republican primary. And in my opinion, he'll be the Republican nominee for president of the United States. Yes, you heard that right. DeSantis is winning. Despite the avalanche of flash polls suggesting otherwise, DeSantis is in strong shape. For those who don't know, flash polls are quick, real-time surveys to gather instant opinions conducted primarily online or through mobile applications and paid for by campaigns and other major media outlets. And with the occasional exception, almost all of these polls are asking voters at the national level who they're supporting, even though presidential primaries aren't national elections. They're conducted state by state. This little, uh, they embedded a tweet and it said, uh, I'd like to remind people of those current poll numbers in 2008, you had Giuliani. If the polls were right, it would have been President Giuliani. In 2012, would have been President Rick Perry. And in 2016, it would have been either President Jeb Bush or President Scott Walker. Scott, remember, they were, remember in 2016, they were talking about Scott Walker being the favorite to be president. Did Scott Walker come close? No. Anyway, you know, these early polls, I'll get back to the story in a second, are not just the September polls before an election year are not just wrong. They're very, very wrong. In other words, the people who are leading usually at this time, not only do they not win, they usually at the bottom. They usually don't even come close. That's how bad these early polls are. Okay, back to the story. We, we've all heard this already. I'm not breaking any news here about national flash polls not being the most accurate indication of where things really stand, especially well into the future. Moreover, flash polls can vary widely in terms of their accuracy. In general, reputable polls conducted by well-established polling organizations that use rigorous methodology have shown to be reasonably accurate. However, their accuracy is highly dependent on the proximity to the day voters cast their ballot. It's worth remembering that flash polls conducted within less than 20 days in an election are far more accurate than polls conducted 130 days before an election or a caucus, as in the case of the Iowa caucus. In about a 22-minute interview yesterday with Rubin, when asked about the polls, DeSantis makes a persuasive case that strategically juicing national polls can be done, but his view is that focusing on a key primary state is a much smarter strategy. Uh, for example, according to 538, uh, which asked Iowa voters on August 24th their choice of president in a head-to-head -head matchup between Trump and DeSantis, the former president received 43%, DeSantis 40%. When they included the rest of the candidates, the former president's greed Lou to 20% or 41 to 21. How many national news stories have you watched lately that showed the Republican race in Iowa being only a 3% difference when matching up the two leading contenders? I haven't, and I pay pretty close attention. Now, admittedly, there are some facts you'd be wise to adjust for, including who the sponsor of a poll is. In this case, 
Public Opinion Strategies is the sponsor, and they do polls for a super PAC that supports DeSantis. Other flash polls, such as Fabrizio, Lee and Associates, posted on X on almost a daily basis, work for the Make America Great Again PAC, and they support Trump. Those are the ones that Trump pushes out. Uh, there are those who claim that a poll is inherently biased, depending on who's paying for it. And it's worth pointing out that polling isn't cheap. So to justify the expense, one might rightly assume they're looking for a particular result. But all or most of, of, the, of the campaigns do them, although the better finance campaigns can do more. Here is one posted today by the Haley campaign. For example, on Tuesday this week, the Wall Street Journal, which is owned by Rupert Murdoch, the media mogul who people claim has grown unfriendly to Trump, especially according to the former president, while at the same time being partial to DeSantis, released a national poll showing the former president with 59% to DeSantis's 13%, with the rest of the GOP candidates in single digits. The assumption being the poll must be accurate, as it was conducted by the Wall Street Journal. However, there are two problems with that assumption. First, it wasn't the Wall Street Journal. It was commissioned by the Wall Street Journal. The polling outfit used was Fabrizio Lee and Associates, which supports the former president. The other problem with the Wall Street Journal poll is that it's a national poll. And again, the GOP primary isn't a national election. It's a state-by-state -state election, with the first few states taking on a disproportionate level of importance. But since this isn't a political science lesson, I'll leave it to you to figure out how or why it's important. Suffice to say, it has a lot to do with what George Herbert Walker Bush once called the big mo. In other words, winning an early primary state can do wonders for a campaign. Except uh, he would have said the big mo, big mo, got to have big mo, big mo, big mo takes you far, far, go far with big mo. Anyway, the point is, while flash polls can be useful if your intention is to take a real-time picture of a moving river this far out, they aren't very useful at all. For one thing, these polls have no ability to provide voters with the information they need to make an informed decision. For example, with their preferred will their preferred candidate still be in the race in 130 days? After the GOP debate on Fox News a couple of weeks ago, one of the declared candidates left the race. Of course, I'm referring to Miami Mayor Francis Suarez. I like to call him Tony Montana. Many political observers expect more candidates to exit the race after this next debate on the 27th. But none of this is why I've come to the rather bold and audacious opinion that Ron DeSantis will win the nomination. One factor in my analysis and opinion is based on what pollsters call the cross-tabs. Cross-tabs, short for, short for cross-tabulations, are a way to analyze the relationship between two or more variables in a poll. For example, in a political opinion poll, cross-tabs could be used to analyze the relationship between different voting intentions. This is really important when asking voters about their second choice and then analyzing the information to arrive at various assumptions based on factors that are often simply unknowable. But here's perhaps where I risk being accused of romanticizing my assessment of the race. And that has to do with how I assess the candidates who are actually putting in the work versus those who are sort of faxing it in to use an old metaphor that won't resonate with anyone under 40. Without intending to criticize or belittle the other candidates, in my view, only one candidate in this race is putting the amount of time and effort that Ron DeSantis is putting in, to be simply 
to put it simply, DeSantis is suiting up, showing up daily where it really counts. This has always been true in Florida, too. His work ethic is something of legend. And that incredible work ethic has also extended to his campaign in Iowa. DeSantis is the only candidate who's made the commitment to visit all 99 counties. There's no small undertaking here, and it reveals a fire in the belly that in politics, you can't always put like an exact price or accuracy or accurately capture in a flashpole. One might conclude after studying the race for the GOP nomination, especially, but not limited to DeSantis's main rival, as one closely resembling the classic fable, The Tortoise and the Hare, where a fast and arrogant hare challenged a slow and determined tortoise to a race. The hare, confident in its speed, quickly dashes ahead, but becomes overconfident, decides to take a nap, and underestimates the tortoise. Meanwhile, the tortoise steadily plods along without giving up. When the hare awakens and realizes the tortoise is approaching the finish line, it desperately tries to catch up, but fails. The moral of the story is that consistency and perseverance can triumph over arrogance and haste. In case you're wondering, DeSantis is the the tortoise in this analogy. And I'll leave it to you to decide who's the hare. You might be surprised that there appears to be more than one hare in the Republican race. Bottom line, I want to live in a world, including a political world, where consistency and perseverance triumph over arrogance and haste. I think it will be a valuable lesson for our kids and grandkids at a time when so much cynicism exists, especially relating to our politics. And the editor's note is America won't survive another four years of a Democrat president. So we must be prudent in taking back the uh, the White House. So I think that's a great article, and it's true. That's what I've said many times about these polls, that there are so many variables. The idea of doing a national poll for a, a election that's not national, it's the same thing they do in the general election, right? When they show you a national popular vote poll, who cares? National poll means nothing and popular vote means nothing, right? It's all state by state. So that's all that matters. And as Ron DeSantis knows, all that matters is Iowa. That's the first contest. That's the most important thing. That's the game that's ahead. You know, if you're, once again, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Let's say like a baseball season, right? You can't worry about game 35 before you worry about game one. You got to worry about game one first. Well, you're not going to get to game 35. It's not going to matter by the time you get there if you've lost the first 34, right? So this is the idea here. This is a marathon. The only thing that matters right now is Iowa. And then the only thing that matters will be New Hampshire. And then the only thing that matters will be Nevada and so on and so forth. And just these, once again, and I said, look at the money. Look at how the money's going to DeSantis. Trump's money is drying up. Uh, DeSantis can afford ads and a ground game in Iowa. Trump can't. Now we have Don Jr. saying he's uh, a little worried about Iowa. Uh, We have Trump having to lie about rallies. You look at all this stuff. Also, you look at Trump being obsessed with DeSantis. You notice he's not obsessed with Vivek. He's not obsessed with Christie. He's not obsessed with Pence. He's not obsessed with uh, Haley. He's obsessed with DeSantis, which he would not be if he was so far ahead. This is these are all the things you need to to really look at to find out what's really happening, right? What's really happening? DeSantis doesn't even mention Trump unless he's asked to, right? Unless he has to talk about something where there's a comparison to make. Trump wakes up at two in the morning and just rants in all capital letters on Truth Social, which no one's even on. 
and the few that are on, there's just an echo chamber who, who, who agree with him anyway. They're as crazy as he is. And he just rants about DeSantis. He wakes up in a cold sweat ranting about him. Why? Why? Why would you do that if you're so far ahead? If the, if the person's meaningless, just look at how people act. That's all you have to do. So that's a good article. I like that. That's a good one. So I don't know what happened to Vincent. I'll take him out of the queue for now, and maybe he'll want to come back. If anyone else wants to call in, uh, you can be feel free. Feel free to call in. Feel free to call in. Oh, here's something. I'm glad this just popped up my Twitter feed. So I'm at the gym today. Not trying to brag, but I was. And I'm just looking at the screen, right? There's no audio. But I do see the closed captions. And uh, Oakland Gay Pride is coming up, right? And so the organizers of Oakland Gay Pride claim this. I saw this on the screen. I almost went apoplectic. There are, we're, we're in a time now of unprecedented attacks against the LGBTQ community. We're in a time now in 2023 of unprecedented attacks against the LGBTQ community. Where? Who? When? What? What bashings are we talking about? Where? Where? I haven't seen any of this in like years. In years, I haven't seen any of this. Now, do they mean those against mutilating children? Am I attacking the gay community because I'm against the mutilation of children? Is that what they're talking about? Is that the attack they're talking about? Or are they just constant victims? And it doesn't matter. Everything. The gay community doesn't seem to realize that they have a lot in common with Trump. They're always victims. Always victims. The gay community, always victims. Donald Trump, always a victim. Always talking about the past. The gay community is forever being bashed and destroyed and uh, Donald Trump, uh, he's always being rigged. Everything's rigged against him from the beginning of time. They're such victims, don't they? It's amazing. They don't realize this, right? If I said, you know, you guys have a lot in common with Trump, they'd be like, what? We have nothing in common with Trump. Yes, you do. You're always playing the victims. You're always the martyrs. You're always the losers. I don't understand where this comes from. I guess it does come from insecurity. There's a lot of insecurity there. But this whole idea is absolutely absurd that we're in a time of unprecedented attacks against the LGBT. Like this is 1961 or 1966. Are you kidding me? These people are pathetic. They really are. Maybe they are think. maybe they're talking about the trans thing. They are, but of course they'd be wrong. We're against the mutilation of children. We believe that Adults can do what they want. If you're an adult, you want to whack your tit off, you want to whack your cock off, go ahead. I think it's crazy. I don't agree with it. You can't put those things back on again. We're not at that point of technology to be able to do that, to, to like grow you a new tit or penis. Uh, maybe when that happens, we get to that point, it'll be a lot easier to do things like that. But if you want to do that and you're an adult, hey, have at it. We're against the mutilation of children. We're against doing things to a 12-year-old that the 12-year-old can't undo when they're 18 or 22. And we're hearing more and more stories of people, once they become adults, they say, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish my parent had stopped it. I wish the doctor had stopped it and not done this to me. We hear this over and over again. So if those are the attacks they're talking about, too fucking bad. There'll be more of them. But this constant victimization, constant victimization, I think is pathetic. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it from gays. I'm tired of it from Trumpers. I'm tired of it from MAGA. I'm tired of this constant moaning about past elections. Oh, Trump was cheated and Carrie Lake was cheated and this person was cheated. You're a bunch of losers. Get on the winning train. 
Ron DeSantis has run five campaigns and he's won five times. And if he had lost one, he wouldn't still be talking about it and complaining about it. Get on the winning team. You either win or you lose. You're a winner or you're a loser, period. And Trump and his candidates are losers. His followers are losers, okay? So if you want to win, you got a candidate named Ron DeSantis. If you want to win, you got a candidate named Ron DeSantis. Otherwise, you don't want to win. Do you want to win or you don't want to win? We'll start deciding in four months. We'll see how it goes. Hmm. Okay. Bill. How's it going, Bill? Can you hear me okay? How's your Friday? Oh, it's the same as every other day. I had some kind of disappointing news, but before I get to that, you know, we have a a man, Armand DeSantis, who actually is a public official who does what he says he's going to do and has a Surgeon General who does what he says he's going to do and has, you know, goes after Disney, you know, however you feel about those policies, and I agree with all of them, he actually does it. Versus Trump, who talks a lot about it and does none of those things when he got in office, just like Obama or Biden. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's... It- that's why it really it, it it makes me laugh when he says, "Oh, I need to win. I'm going to do this when I win." Well, you had four years to do that thing, yeah, and you didn't do it. So exactly. it's 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 so obvious to anyone. This is a very this is a weakness of Trump is that he was already in office. We don't usually see this, right? We don't usually see a former president running again after they lost, but right. and, and having to like defend their record mm-hmm. and. All the things he says he's going to do, we know between 2016 and 2020, he didn't do any of them. No. <laughs> it's so obvious, you know, but he can fool his people because they don't care. It's amazing it, that, that they can be swayed by the rhetoric and the, the posturing. I, I don't understand. I have somebody who I, I've been talking to for over a year about this, and she's a MAGA Q Anon one I don't know what else to call it. Um, and I say, well, wait a minute. Why don't we look at, you know, Alex Azar and what they actually did with the price of pharmaceuticals or Steve Mnuchin, the foreclosure king, and his treasury secretary and how the CARES Act really play out for small businesses. And, you know, none of that matters. I, it, and if I try and bring it to actual policy and, and cabinet members, she gets upset. You know, another guy I know is in calling the same way. And I'm like, well, you know, he is responsible the president's ultimately responsible for his cabinet member decisions, and they meet. They happen to meet every day. I mean, you know, that's what they do, you know. But you can't talk to MAGA people about that. They don't want to talk about it. They don't. They don't want to talk about anything. Once again, it doesn't matter. When you say his favorability rating is third, these people believe the most ridiculous things. I mean, there's some out there who believe that these independent voters are now going to back him because of the indictments and convictions. They're, they're insane. These independent voters didn't back him before. They didn't like him before. They think, so these people actually believe in their warped minds that these independent voters are going to go from hating Donald Trump since the beginning of time to loving him and voting for him because he's been indicted and maybe convicted. It's so insane. It really is. They think the independent voter thinks like them. And they don't. Independent voters in general don't like drama. They don't. They don't like anything that's outside the... They, they like talking about the issues. They don't like talking about 
crazy things like, um, you know, uh, conspiracy theories and did Obama have sex with a man? And they don't want to deal with Trump's drama. They don't. So yeah. this whole idea that him him being indicted or becoming a convicted felon makes him more popular among independents is absolute insanity. Yeah. It's absolute insanity. He's losing Republicans because of this. We see his support among Republicans has has been cut in half from last time. Republicans. Mm. His cult sticks with him, but they're about 20% of the party. Yeah. But he's yeah. losing half of Republicans. They think he's going to gain independence. See, Bill, these people have such a warped way of thinking. Yeah. Well, they twist everything. They think all of his negatives are really positives, right? Uh, That's what they believe. All of his negatives are actually positives, and they're not. And they're going to march us into the abyss, Bill, if this guy gets nominated of four more years of Joe Biden, which will become yeah. Kamala Harris at some point, whether it's a month in, six months in, a year in the most, will become Kamala Harris. And God forbid, really God forbid, it's just, imagine the justices she would put on the court. Oof. Well, it, yeah, we, that's kind of depressing to even think about. we got to change the subject. You know what I did put in the live chat, Mike? I, I, I know it's movie night. Maybe you could look at it later. I got a link for Buzz Aldrin four times. There's three more short clips saying it never went to the moon. You may want to play those. We played the Obama tapes the other night. It might be kind of fun. Hey, you know what someone said to me, I had I, I didn't have any clear answer, although I, 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 I think I know the answer. There's no proof that those tapes are fucked with, are they? Well, you watch them, you know what, watch them on your own and then, you know, play them tonight whenever you feel like it. No, it's clearly him. And I mean, was it, weren't those, uh, didn't people talk about those when it happened at the time, live? The Conan one was kind of discussed, um, but, you know, I hadn't seen the other two. There's actually a fourth I didn't watch because it's long. I just, I saw enough. I was like, I don't think we got through the Van Adam belts, and I, I just don't believe we, we've never been outside Earth's orbit since. No, 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 I'm sorry, Bill. I'm talking about the Obama clip. Oh, the Obama ones. Oh, those. Those weren't tampered, right? Those are actual real clips, right? I think he actually stammered. I think he actually did it, but I don't know. I mean, uh, I who knows? I, I don't know. I don't know. I Well, they certainly... <laughs> like to play the drama up about his girlfriend and what his fantasies were. I mean, why did that make the news cycle? Nothing happens by accident, you know. It's yeah, I mean, to me. I look at those. I, I look at those tapes, and they don't seem altered. I mean, I think it's, not to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I told you. I think Joan Rivers was right. I think he's. I think she is a trans. And then someday, when they think it'll be tolerable for it to come out, maybe we'll hear it someday. Who knows? I don't know. I don't. There's certainly pictures of him with someone, Michael. That's that that that. Now whether they're photoshopped or not, I, I don't know. I was talking to some friends earlier, and I said, if you look at Michelle Obama, she definitely she doesn't have exactly the most feminine features, right? She's not oh, like no. she's not like Melania, right? No, <laughs> or even like Jill Biden. I mean, she doesn't. Michelle has kind of masculine features. She's a big woman. Yeah, she's a big woman. She is. She's a big woman. Yeah, and she's got big, broad shoulders and big or, hands. And... Or she's a small man. <laughs> well, that's, you know. 
It could be a small man. <laughs> According to Joan Rivers, she's got a big, you know what? <laughs> I, I don't know why people get so upset when you, especially the left, when you talk about these things, they get so upset. I don't understand. I think it's kind of funny. Why? Is, I do. They get incredibly upset about it, though. It's like, I don't understand. These are heroes to the left, Michelle and Barack Obama. Wouldn't they be more heroes if they were trans by? <laughs> you would it. think. You would think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, people would understand if you're president of the United States and first lady, we're not at the point yet where you can admit that kind of stuff. Right. So, I think people, you know, I think eventually it will come out and it will be embraced. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, but the- yeah right. Exactly. I agree with you, Bill. Yeah. You. you know, it's it's just, I think it's, um, I think it's funny to think about and I'm not, yeah. you know, it's not impossible, not beyond the realm of possibility. You know, you know, know, look, it's just I, 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 I'm glad we're talking about this lighter stuff, but it's it it bothers me that so many people can't see. And look, we went through this before. Right. I mean, I didn't have the show back then, but I was just as enraged that Democrats couldn't see that Bernie Sanders was better than Hillary or that Bernie Sanders was better than Joe Biden. It, 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 It enraged me. And I'm even more enraged now that people can't some people can't see that DeSantis is just a, a far superior candidate than Donald Trump. Oh, well, you know how I feel about Trump. So I totally agree with you. Um, I think it'd be great to have, I mean, of all the candidates in the field, certainly DeSantis got the nod and, and was elected and RFK Jr. was, you know, in the cabinet somehow. I think that'd be a big improvement for this country. I think there'll still be huge problems with APAC and the military-industrial complex, but at least we we know what would happen with us. We get out of the World Health Organization. That's for damn sure. Well, one and, at a time, right? I mean, at least it would help in some aspects if you had someone like RFK Jr. running. Like oh yeah, CDC or the EPA, right? It'll be a big right. It'd be a big difference, right? Yeah, and we need that for the EPA. I mean, what Andrew Wheeler did was gut the EPA with the idea that lower costs for businesses, but dilution's not the solution. That's how we got the Calahuga River on fire 10 times in the Love Canal, so that's not going to help. You know, I think there's definitely some over-regulating for small businesses and small property owners. I experienced that myself. Um, As I told you, $11,500 in permit fees, environmental impact fees, uh, when I had the Lazy Tea Ranch with my ex, and also traffic impact study, all for turning the barn into a house up a dirt road. Traffic impact study. Meanwhile, they had the Valley Center Casino that they had put in, and Lake Wolford Road was the back way, and you had tour buses going up. And they're going to worry about one or two more residents, on the, maybe two more residents on, on the 25-acre ranch. Traffic impact study? Couldn't fucking believe it. You know what I mean? Or it, it was all permitted septic I put in. I used to install septic from Mike McCarley Construction, before I got into working on EPA sites and eventually at Camp Pendleton. And uh, so I, I did all that myself and got it permitted. I, but the permit fees was were astronomical. $11,500 in permit fees between, you know, getting the, for the septic and, and then the uh, to expand the, the uh, you know, the, and to inspect the building uh, uh drafts and then uh, the environmental impact study and the traffic study. It was crazy. And so most of the people up the hill just did things bootleg. They didn't bother to try and get things permitted. And you can't blame them. 
because it was it was just ridiculous. What do, you, what do you think of Pelosi running again? I'm sorry. What did you say about what? What do, you, what do you think of Pelosi running again? Running for <laughs> Pelosi? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! When do we we need term limits? This is crazy. That that, that that's just. Yeah. I, I mean, she's she got us to where she is. These people like Miss McConnell and her and the career politicians. That's why this country is in such a mess. We need to clean house, get rid of those people. And uh, it's just you know. Once again, we need they need more more than ever now after Trump and then Biden and now with the with, you know with the Feinstein issues and Pelosi running again and Trump running again. We really need Congress to get together and, and do uh, a maximum age for for a uh, political office. It has to be. There are minimum ages. They need to be maximum ages. Just the way it goes. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Diane Feinstein should have been retired a long time ago. I mean, well, you know, the problem with that is the same thing with term limits. You'd have people who don't want to vote on those things because they want to be in office forever. So you'd be asking a lot of people in Congress who are like maybe approaching that maximum age. They yeah. would. They want to be able to be in there till they're 90 themselves. That's the problem. Is you have these people for their own selfish reasons. They don't want these limits, right? Well, the bottom line is they're just puppets for the lobbyists anyway. The lobbyists, they just need to vote. They don't care who it is. And they know where Pelosi's going to, you know, she's bought and sold. So there's no, so you see what I mean? Same thing with Feinstein. All the lobbyists are back her. They know. And so the, 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 it's all bought and sold. I I, I have no faith in it. Um, and it is what it is. I mean, ah, that's why it's, I, I, like I said, I think RFK Jr. with his history fighting the environmental uh, angles and then the vaccine angles and I've really heroic battles to, to get mercury out of, as an adjuvant out of vaccines and to flush out the fact that, uh, there's been no double-blind, placebo-controlled study done ever. You know, and you have the mainstream media calling him some kind of, you know, whack job where really it's... They're, but they're just puppets for the big pharma. So, of course, they're going to poo-poo him, you well, know. You see this. I mentioned this earlier in the show. I want to talk about it now. Go ahead. The Fifth Circuit upheld that district court's orders. The district court's order in the free speech case, Missouri v. Biden... So, enjoining the White House Surgeon General, CDC, and FBI from violating the First Amendment rights of millions oh. of Americans. So, Andrew Bailey posted this today. The First Amendment remains intact. The first brick was laid in the wall of separation between tech and state on July 4th. And this ruling is yet another brick. Missouri will continue to lead the way in the fight to defend our most fundamental freedoms. This is all about, of course, tech being in collusion with the government yeah. to censor yeah. people like Jay Bhattacharya and other doctors and people who... We're going against the, the prevailing COVID narrative. So that's a win. And we're yes. seeing more and more of this. The media doesn't cover it. You know, they, no. don't, want to, they, they don't want to cover this. But, but we're seeing more and more of these wins. When, it, when this goes to the courts, when this goes to the judges, we win over and over again, which proves that we were on the side of the Constitution. Oh, without a doubt. Um yeah, I, we, we need our medical voices and freedoms, uh, and a freedom of speech for sure. And, uh, geez, you know what? I, I, let me relate this back. You asked me how I was doing. I'll tell you where, where things are at. Listen to this one, Mike. Mm -hmm. We have a supermajority of Democrats in Corrupticate, House, Senate, and Governor, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm 
finally get a call back from Stratford High Housing Authority. Beth is the co-director. Mr. Bonatati, I got a room for you. Ready to move? We had someone back out. So this is a full disabled room, right? Federal housing. I'm on SSDI. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, great. So I do everything by email, you know, as far as all the documents she needed and I fill out the application. And, and then I'm like, I left her some messages and I sent her some emails. I'm like, Beth, I need to know what your policy is regarding vaccines and masks going forward. And I, of course, you know, I got all the corroborating evidence I need to back up my position. You know, you and I have talked a lot about it. You've seen it in the live chat, you know. And so uh, upon receiving the one on remdesivir causing renal failure, the NIH uh, PubMed uh, peer-reviewed article, she gets back to me and says, Mr. Bonatani, I'm really busy and uh, I haven't had a chance to go over these, but um, I'll get back to you. Now, this is two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. And all I'm asking her for is what's what's the policy? What have you been doing? I need to know because I'm not going to move in if I'm going to be put in a double bind where now I'm there. And then we know with, you know, catastrophic contagion, the tabletop exercises, what the future disease X's options are. Either it's going to be a Marburg disease or a polio type <laughs> disease. Right. Right. So I need to know. And I, and I let her know that. And I sent her all the articles, you know, without going into all the details that about that. And she gets back to me, please stop emailing me. What? Yeah. And so I called her boss and I left her some messages. I'm like, look, I'm simply asking what you look at. We can short circuit this whole application process. If you're going to require masks or vaccine, obviously I'm going to reject moving in with you to, well, to they, your they, house. They could simply say we, they could, well, they could do two things, right? They could say one, we don't know. We have no idea. Or they could say no way than not and just lie about it, right? I mean, they can. You know. Well, the, the, all I got from Beth, too, there's two Beths, believe it or not. Beth, the director, Beth, the co-director. Beth, the co-director, emails me back. You know, Mr. Bonatati, I'll have some more time. You know, this is after the Labor Day weekend to go over things. I mean, she's already told me I passed a background check. And all it was, because she got all the documents that she needed by email. And then she was just waiting for the hard copy of the application she sent me, which is just procedural. I mean, there's nothing on there other than your social security number, your address. It's a formality, right. you know? Right. And so it comes down to what you're, I'm just trying to find out what has been your policy, <laughs> you know? And so based on your history of your policy, we can predict what's going to happen. That's true. That's a good point. That's, a good that's point. all I'm asking for. What's yeah. the policy? Because the next one's going to be, you know, by the end of 2024, Fauci told us already, and we know it's going to be a scary one, like severe enterovirus, epidemic, you know, blah, 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 or catastrophic contagion, some other fucking, you mean the next they're going to use. You mean the next one they're going to make up? That's what you mean. Uh, well, of course, just like they did the prior one. But the point is they're going to use, they're going to use, the last one was the greatest generation. Remember, if you didn't get vaccinated, you were. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. This one's going to be with children. We already know. They already told us the severe epidemic and terror virus respiratory syndrome. Now, it's when gonna... you say their policy, you mean wearing masks in the public spaces? Is that what you mean? Well, that's what I need to know. Is there like, I don't know. For example, they got multiple housing developments. And I don't know if the one that has disability housing also has like, you know, 
like a hall where people go play bingo. Not that I'm a yeah, bingo well, fan, well, but what, if, what about like just not complying with that kind of stuff? Well, the, here's the problem. I don't want to move in if I know what's going to happen. We're going to have another phony epidemic, right? If, we keep on seeing. They keep on trying to bring it back now. I mean, they keep on bringing, bringing up fake variants now. So, I mean, it's... I'm not talking about a COVID variant. I'm talking about a new... Oh, you mean a, a totally new thing. A new thing. Oh, okay. Disease X. It's already been tabletop out with John Hopkins University and... The, the players, you know, the CDC. The, the Regardless, you would, I mean, I know this is not easy. I, people say this all the time to me. Just don't comply, Mike. Just don't comply, Mike. So I'm going to say it to you now. Just don't comply, Bill. I know, yeah, I, know, I know it's easier said than done. I understand that. No, no, here's the thing. If, if, if I'm trying to find out ahead of time a very simple question and get a very simple answer, what is your policy? What, because it's federally funded housing. What, is the what has been the policy, Beth? That's all I want to know. So that because I know we're going to have a scarier disease X that's going to be related to. They already told us it's going to be either. Have, they if they follow the federal guidelines, we know what their policy was, right? They followed Biden's orders. That's my point. But, See, but by the time you're there, or we get into this new thing, DeSantis would hold. It's possible. Right. It's possible. Right. Oh, but you see, I can't even get anybody in whoever they consult, whoever they consult, say our Surgeon General in Connecticut, whatever. Because my emails, when I send out these emails, it doesn't just go to her. It goes to the Housing Commissioner, Ms. Bruno. It also goes to the Governor's Consumer Constituent Affairs Office. Yeah, it goes well, to the Attorney General's Office, etc. Bill, I can promise you that if they're run by the federal government, that their policy during the heart of COVID was masks. I know that. In Connecticut? Right. Oh, especially Connecticut. No, here. California. Yeah, exactly. Masks and vaccine mandates. That's what it's it's been. Sure. So, but what I'm trying to say, Mike, is I'm, for example. They won't give you a straight answer? All they told me was stop contacting them. (laughs) That's ridiculous. It's so easy. Just why can't they just write to you? This, why can't they just send you a memo, a, a, you know, a memo they put out two and a half years ago to everyone? That's, well, I mean, they had it. They sent it out in my building. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, this is what I'm getting back. Stop contacting me. Yeah. Stop contacting my Bill, boss. There's your answer. I know it is. On our side, they would simply say, no, we're not going to have any kind of a policy like that. I know what the answer The answer is. We're moving on to the next applicant <laughs> is the yeah, real answer. Well, no, we're moving on to the next applicant who will gladly get seven boosters and wear three masks. Exactly. We don't need the problems. We don't want someone in there that's going to, we're going to run into a housing issue with that's going to freak somebody else by walking into uh, one of our, huh. whatever, bingo halls or whatever. I get you, Bill. And the only cure for, I, I know I, I feel like a broken, the only cure for this is a president who's not going to allow it. Exactly. That's it. That's all. A president is not going to allow it. That's the answer. That's and the answer. we need him to be in multiple terms because hopefully I'll live more than four years. Oh no! <laughs> we know Trump already. I'm going to play. A, I'm going to play a video in the second bill with Trump talking about 
how great lockdowns were and masking and all this stuff. So forget about Trump doing the right thing. Right. We know DeSantis would. We know RFK Jr. would. We know right. that. Right. That right. All these things would be illegal federally if they are the president. We know that for sure. And, of course, Trump, even if he were to win, could not run a second time. He can only right. Right. So DeSantis or RFK could could serve eight years, right? So yeah. those are the answers. I really feel bad, Bill, because I'm, I'm, I'm where you are. I mean, it's like, you know, this building I was in had the masking policy for, you know, whatever it was, a year and a half, two years. Wow. Um, and if they brought it back, I certainly would not wear one. But, right. um, but I'm in that situation also, you know. So, oh, so did you have to wear a mask to go in the hallways or something? Yep. Oh, man, really? Yep. Oh, yep. fuck. Yep. Yep, the hallways. The gym, we have a little person. Oh, you had a gym in the building too? Yeah, we have a little gym in my building, and they were they were going to, Bill. This is how I met one of my friends now, is that they were going to institute. <laughs> listen to this. You want you really want to die how stupid these Democrats are here. They uh-huh. wanted to institute a vaccine mandate to use the gym in the building. Oh, my God. You must be shitting. A gym that there's never more than, like, two people in at the same time. Right, right. I know what you mean. So we fought that, and we won, believe it or not. We fought that, and we won. But they still had the the mask mandate, you know. Um, Oh, my God. And the the security guard would be told by the building management to to reprimand people if they weren't wearing masks. Absolute insanity. Absolute insanity. I mean... I, I, oh, my God. Yeah, so this is what I would expect. And so I know <clears throat> they don't want someone in there causing those kinds of problems. It's the same way, Mike, when I met three times with at the Catholic Center off Jewish Street for housing. Because they had disability units, the, the Bridgeport Diocese. And I met three times with the victim's advocate, Aaron Neal, referred by Sister Eileen Clifford out of New York. You know, and they got corroborating evidence on Tapia sexually assaulting suit. I was telling the truth. I just wasn't going to settle with Detra Law because I won't take a gag order. So, so after meeting with Aaron here in Bridgeport three times and talking about disability units, and they had them, and they were federally funded, and, you know, the church gets write-offs for this and everything. Once I wouldn't settle with Detra Law, I got a email from Aaron. My appointment was canceled to meet with her co-director, Michael Kintrip or Tintrip, whatever his name was. That's it. Because I wouldn't go along with the gag order and because they don't want, they didn't want me there in a church, uh, Catholic church, uh, housing development talking about anything. See, they want me there if I would take a gag order only. It had nothing to do with my disabilities, my application. Well, again, and so, that goes back five years. Jesus. You see what I mean? Yeah, I mean, these people are just, it's, you know, that's the problem. This is why so many people left states like yours in New York. And I know. Because they don't want to deal with this shit anymore. And look, they serve notice, Bill. We've talked about this. They serve notice that they'll do it again. I know. Or they believe it worked. Or if they don't believe it worked, they want the power, and they will do it again. So, you know, I understand. I'm in a position here. I want to get the fuck out of here, Bill. Yeah. I, do. I understand you're you're in a tough position. It's hard for you to move around, right? Yeah. Oh, I can't even get up and down the stairs anymore That's at all. To say, you know, move to Florida, Bill. Move to Texas, Bill. It's easier said than done, right? You know. Yeah, so- physically, it'd be very challenging to even 
yeah, physically do it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I just keep praying for a solution. I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe yeah. DeSantis gets elected. Let's, and, let's, let's leave it on that. Bill, I'm going to let you go because I want to play a couple of things and go to the Yeah, show. sure. All right. Hey, don't forget. Don't forget. We got the Buzz Aldrin oh, link. Yes. Well, let's, let's, talk, let's talk about that next week a little bit. We'll All, right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Take care, man. All right. Okay. Uh, because tomorrow night, actually, I'm going to the Alamo Draft House, and I'm going to see Dr. Strangelove. Dr. Strangelove, Stanley Kubrick's. Why they bring that up? Oh, the moon landing. Hello, Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> I'm losing it. Uh, so I'm seeing Dr. Strangelove tomorrow. So that's Stanley Kubrick, who, of course, if you believe the moon landing was faked, he's the one who faked it. He helped them do it because of the technology he developed with the 2000. Now, it's, it's interesting. A side note here. As Stanley Kubrick, as great a director as he was, only won one Oscar because the Academy, and we'll get into the Academy. This works in the transition. I'm going to get into the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences before my film review to talk about something. But they only gave him one award his entire career, and it's for Best Visual Effects for 2001. So, ha, think about that. In 1968, he won Best Visual Effects for 2001 A Space Odyssey. So what do you need to fake a moon landing? Great visual effects. Well, someone that won the Oscar for best visual effects. All right, I wanna play this, and this is uh, Trump. Uh, <laughs> uh, American Patriot on, on Twitter posted this today. He says, here's the lying SOB's own words, yet he's telling you different, FYI. He thinks you're stupid enough to believe his lies now. Well, his cult is. That's about it. I swear any Trump supporter still supporting this SOB after all the lies he's saying now need to wake TF the fuck up. He is the swamp. Let me play this. This is uh, Trump talking about all the uh, COVID policies back in uh, 2020. We did the right thing. We closed the country down. Could have kept it open. And I could have done what some countries are doing. I had to shut it down. We did the right thing. I thought of keeping it open. And we did just the right thing. We closed it down. And a group of very smart people walked in and said, sir, we have to close it. And we did the right thing. They can't do anything without the approval of the president of the United States. Even the Democrats aren't blaming me for that. We had to close it up. Some people wish we never closed it down. We did the right thing. We closed it. It's a decision for the president of the United States. So we did the right thing. We had to close it up because nobody's ever heard of closing down a country, let alone the United States of America. We had to turn off the airlines. We had to turn off everything. And we did the right thing. A lot of people have thought about it. Write it out. Don't do anything. Just write it out and think of it as the flu. But it's not the flu. It's vicious. We basically shut down our country. But oh, we did the right thing. We had to close it down. The president of the United States calls the shots and we had to close it down we did the right thing they're not working in offices they're not in airplanes together and we did close up we had to close it up and we did the right thing we closed it down we did the right thing we closed it up we were told to gotta shut it down stop it tell everyone to stay home because of this horrible virus and we did that we had to artificially close our country we've done this right and we, we really we really have done this right that we did the right thing. everything <laughs> so that's him talking about everything we did was wrong. and now even now in 2023 
on an interview last week, he said that the the vaccines were the right thing to do, that they were that they saved two million lives and the lockdowns saved two million lives. He said that he said all the things they did, the masking, the lockdowns, the vaccines saved. He came up with a number that he pulled out of his fat jiggly ass. Two million lives. So he's still saying it's the right thing. It's not even like back then he was scared. He's not a real leader like Ron DeSantis. He didn't have a great, you know, a guy like a Ladapo at his side. Okay. But now he's even saying, after all we know now. So he was wrong then in the middle of it, and he's wrong now after it. So that's Donald Trump. Well, we know Ron DeSantis did the right thing. Hey, Daniel, you're you're back. Are you home or are you walking? I am back home. It's after midnight. Well, you you used to take midnight walks. You don't do that anymore. Well, no, I, I, I usually I usually get home at midnight because um, I like to get in a certain uh, I usually get home before midnight because I like to get in a certain number of miles on my uh, calc- uh, uh, what should I say, tabulated on my iPhone. For and some reason, I'm, I'm yeah. obsessed with keeping track of it on my iPhone. And yeah. at midnight, it rolls around to the next day, so it doesn't count in my mind. So <laughs> just some of my strange behavior associated with my phone. Um, I am really excited about uh, Biden versus Missouri and that win, and I am looking forward to all of the possibly predictable and unpredictable civil suits that could follow um, yeah, using this ruling um, to bolster cases. And it could, I'm thinking that it could be anything from vaccine mandates at uh, universities. Um, oh, to, we hope so. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, what, are these, what are they going to say? They're going to say stuff like, uh, oh, oh the, the government, the CDC recommended this, this uh, vaccines, et cetera. And, uh, and then people are going to be able to turn around and say, uh, yes, they did. But here's the administration who corrupted this entire process, um, and they corrupted it by violating our First Amendment rights. So we didn't hear from people with opinions contrary to the CDC. We only heard from the um, captured CDC. Right. And, and, and this is going this 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 and other rulings, they're going to pile up. And then there's just going to be this flood, is my prediction, of civil suits that will be built up. Um, and, and these brick by brick, the, the cases are going to be built up against universities across the country um, and, and employers across the country with respect to the, the uh, coercion. And mm-hmm. they're going to say, oh, we didn't force anyone to get a vaccine. No one's going to fucking believe that. They're right. going to say, yeah, you, you didn't hold them down. You didn't put a needle in their arm. But you coerced them. You right. threatened their, they threatened their livelihoods. That is force. Yes, of course it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm very. I'm well, very come on, these people. Forward. This is so disingenuous. This ridiculousness. Well, they didn't hold people down and stick needles. That means they didn't force anybody. Come on, give me a break. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And this <laughs> is the 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 the, uh, the ducks are lining up. Um, I'm so happy to see them winding up and yeah, um, this just, this just feels so good tonight. To have that victory? Absolutely. It's a huge victory. Yeah. And I'm just so happy to, to, to have, um, supported, um, and, and met some of the, the, the people that have been involved in this case. These are 
very dedicated people who have a far better sense of, of um, uh, how should we call it, of constraint and restraint than, than I do when it comes to talking to the um, purveyors of uh, pan hysteria and misinformation. <laughs> I hate using that word, but our government was the number one purveyor of misinformation and Absolutely. violated all of our rights in the process mm-hmm. of doing so. And the Fifth Court of Appeals at this point has, um, has, has made that very clear for everybody. Um, the first thing I did when I um, saw this ruling was uh, fire it off and a few quotes from the ruling to um, a, some, someone that I've had uh, arguments with, a, a, um, a, a colleague and, and, uh, and university professor at Berkeley that I've been having arguments all along with um, about, about the various mandates, mask, um, the vaccine, the shittiest vaccine ever. Fired off it with a few quotes there, um, making it very clear that, hey, you were an asshole um, for supporting this shit. And and rights were violated. First Amendment rights were violated. And in the process of violating, violating those First Amendment rights, millions of people took a vaccine that they shouldn't have taken because the government didn't allow information that would have swayed people to not take the vaccine. They did not allow that to get out. That's right. So. There, were so, there were so many lies. So many lies. I, it's, it's hard to count all the lies, right? It's impossible to count all the lies. It's, <laughs> it's, and, but we will be, um, nevertheless, I feel very confident that we will be accounting uh, for them and we will be holding people accountable for them. Um, we have many times mentioned uh, Nazi hunters uh, on your show. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, hunt these guys to the grave. Hunt them to the grave, baby. I love it. I agree with you 100%. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. There needs to be accountability. Until there's accountability, we talk about this a million times. Until there's accountability, and DeSantis just echoed this, it'll happen again and again and again, and it'll keep on trying to do this to us, right? And there is no justice without accountability. Yeah. There's no justice at all. Absolutely. No Have a great it. night, Mike. Thank you, Daniel. I appreciate it. I, I appreciate it. All right. So before we get to the film review, I'm going to talk about a little bit Hollywood story here. So there's a film out uh, coming out, and it takes place in Denmark in the 1750s. It's called The, the Promised Land. Okay. So remember, this is set in 18th century Europe. Okay. Uh, and recently it was at, I believe, some kind of a film festival. So a Danish movie star and filmmaker was stunned when a reporter asked about the lack of diversity in their new film, The Promised Land, which takes place in Denmark in the 1750s. And this was during uh, actually Venice Film Festival. An unnamed reporter, I wonder why he's unnamed, from Denmark asked, this is a cast in Danish production that is entirely Nordic, therefore has some lack of diversity. Would you say... There's also new rules implied in Hollywood. Danish actor Mads Mikkelsen, who stars in the film, uh, cut off the question while shaking his head in disbelief. What, from the get-go? <laughs> Mikkelsen said while laughing. The reporter then said there are rules of diversity across the Atlantic, knowing the Academy Awards have representation and inclusion standards for Oscars eligibility in the Best Picture category. Are you worried about that? The reporter asked. Mickelson, who recently starred in the latest Indiana Jones film, appeared agitated. He shot back. Are you? 
The reporter then evoked Parasite, which won Best Picture in 2019, South Korean film, which they prominently South Korean cast and crew, it would be eligible for the top prize under the new rules, while he said an all-Nordic cast is not. First of all, the film takes place in Denmark in the 1750s, the director said. We do have a big plot line about a girl of color who's being subject to racism, which was very rare. Any people of color in Denmark, almost nobody. She was probably, at the time, the only one in the entire country of Denmark. It wasn't a thought in our mind. I think it would be a little weird, just historically, how it was the 1750s. Uh, The Academy Awards have faced criticism after implementing new diversity and inclusion uh, guidelines for 2024. The guidelines must be adhered to by any film to be considered best picture. Several voting members sound the alarm after the Academy Awards released its Aperture 2025 initiative, a sweeping set of regulations designed to make Hollywood more equitable and diverse. Beginning in 2024, film producers and directors will be required to submit to the Academy a dossier of the sort that points to the race, gender, sexual orientation, and disability status of their film's cast and crew members. Legendary actor Richard Dreyfuss has condemned Hollywood's new inclusivity standards in strong terms, claiming they make him vomit. Well, Richard, they make me vomit too. What this is, what Hollywood's doing is, first of all, to say Hollywood isn't diverse enough is is laughable. Is laughable. Now, if I came out with a retort and said Hollywood was too Jewish, what would people say about that? Would they call me anti-Semitic? Of course they would. If I said, no, no, too many Jews in Hollywood need, no, need more diversity. It's too Jewish. It's too Jewish. The Jews are fine, but we need to bring in more other people. We need to bring in some uh, non-Jews. They would say, oh, you're such an anti-Semite, anti-Hitler, Hitler Nazi. But of course, that's the truth. Hollywood's full of Jews, very rich, wealthy Jews who run the industry. Okay, so where's the diversity? Where is it? I don't understand. Is that, so, so all Jewish is okay, just like... An all-Asian cast is diverse, but an all-Nordic cast is is racist. You see how fucking stupid this is? How these are the fucking dumbest people in the fucking world? Also, what they're doing is they are putting restraints on artists. They're not opening things up now and making them more inclusive. They're putting restraints on artists by saying you have to do dumb things like put a black person in in a, in a Nordic film set in 1740. Or you can't make that film and get an Oscar for it. So they're putting restraints on art. They're not opening up art. They're not making it all more inclusive. They're making it less inclusive. Yeah, Daniel, you're right. Where are the trannies? Why isn't there anyone who's a transsexual? Why isn't there a man pregnant in 1750? Where is it? This is how dumb these people are. These people think they're so smart and better than us, but they're so below us and so stupid. They're the trashiest of dumb trash. That's what they are. They make Richard Dreyfus a great actor, a Jewish actor, want to vomit. Me too, Dick. Me too. We are slipping and sliding people into third worldism. There's no doubt about it. It's very sad, very sad to see what's happening to this country. Sad and pathetic. And so I trash Hollywood. This is Mike Chopley trashing Hollywood just as I go into 
a salute to Hollywood, which is hooray for Hollywood. Hey, hey, look, even I could be a little hypocritical at time, right? And I got John Williams and the Boston Pops right here watching me do this rant. Williams is seething. I don't know if he wants to play. I don't know if he wants. I'm not making fun of Spielberg. I know he's a Jew. I'm saying, come on, don't be so hypocritical about things, John. You got to be consistent about things. Come on, John. Hollywood's not diverse. Please. Come on, John. Are you going to play for me or not? Yeah, you've come all this way. You might as well, right? All right. Yeah, okay. He's going to do it. You got to put politics aside, John. You got to put all this stuff aside. Come on. Come on. I'm going to do a film review. So I need I need to be played in. You guys ready? Okay. Okay, bring it down. Bring it down. Bring it down. That's it. Bring it down. Bring it down. There you go. All right. Thank you. Thank you. See, they're professionals. They're as mad as he is at me, he played me in. All right. All right. So I have a film review. One, only one this week, and it's called The Nun 2. Now, I didn't see The Nun 1. This is The Nun Part 2. So it takes place in uh, 1856 in France. Uh, a priest is murdered. Okay, we see that the op- it opens with this. The priest is in church and he's uh, him and his altar boy is there. And all of a sudden there's some kind of entity that burns him to death. And so the, the priest is burned and there's some kind of evil that's spreading. Uh, Sister Irene is a lead in this. She was a lead in the other one, too. Right. And she's the one who uh, is like kind of the uh, the the exorcist in the film. She knows how to deal with these entities. This is Thaisa Farmiga, right? She plays Irene. And uh, in this film, we get a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of like visions of of evil. There's there's visions of this evil nun, which I might be crazy, but if you've seen the trailer, uh, looks like Marilyn Manson, this, this crazy, wicked, villainous, satanic nun looks like Marilyn Manson. Long face, teeth, uh, crazy eyes looks like Marilyn Manson. Anyway, this Marilyn Manson-like figure pops up from time to time, and as the film goes on, we we learn that uh, there was a character from the first film uh, named Maurice. He's like a handyman, and he has been kind of infected with the with the uh, evil entity. So it's kind of possessed him. It's it's possessed him, and sometimes he's a normal guy, and sometimes this possession takes over, and this possession has used his body to spread right and so sister irene is called in to uh to try to figure out what's going on and and uh, and try to deal with it and try to figure out what's happening and how to stop the entity from continuing to do evil things and 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 kill people uh the plot is incredibly incoherent i i you kind of the sister figures things out that she should never be able to figure out. We can't figure out. We can't figure things out without her saying, "Oh, this is what's happening." So there'll be a scene in the film where she has this very quick vision, and somehow she'll understand the entire screenplay and exactly what's going on and exactly how to deal with it. And without her, 
proclaiming how to deal with it, we would never know what's going on. It's incredibly incoherent. It has a lot to do with this possession of this handyman and also this evil nun spirit. And it's part kind of exorcists and, you know, uh, part this uh, film about, you know, this this evil entity that's that's out there and, and released and they need to get control of before it uh, it takes over everything and destroys everyone. Um, I I was interested until about a quarter of the way in, and then it was so convoluted. Basically, the film is a series of scenes of women screaming. If you enjoy women screaming, and not in the uh, sexual way, but it's just screaming in the, you know, scream queen Hollywood way, then you might like this film. But it's like one scene after another of women close-ups, the director saying, all right, here's your close-up, scream. So it's a b- bunch of those scenes, a bunch of these, you know, fake scare scenes where you think something's happening as a, a cat coming up behind or a person putting their hand on someone's shoulder, all that cheap stuff. Um, the music is used in such a predictable way that you can tell when the scare scenes are going to happen. You can feel the buildup, you know, when they're about to happen. So you got a, a, a incoherent, convoluted script. Uh, you have a lot of women screaming. And the whole plot seems to center around this nun who had her eyes gouged out, right? And the eyes of this nun are what this entity is after. Uh, About halfway through the film, I wish I had had my eyes gouged out. That's how bad this is. So I don't know about the first one. Maybe people have seen the first nun. And this is one of those, you know, common cases where the sequel is, terrible but this is uh i can't imagine there being a nun three i would certainly hope not um incoherent women screaming predictable frights uh none of it comes together and seems to want to be several different films at the same time and i was not uh i was not engaged i was not engaged so i'm going to give the nun a thumbs down and only one star I would say it's probably one of the worst films I've seen in, in quite a while. You know what? And I was on a streak of seeing some really good thrillers, some really good horror films, you know, but this brings nothing new to the genre. It's kind of like same old, same old it's films. One of those films where we've seen other films like it that are better, right? Other films like it that are, whether it could be exorcist films or evil spirits or, you know, Catholic church. This is what I was saying yesterday. Uh, I understand there's a lot of fear of the Catholic Church and a lot of films that have been made about religion and a lot of horror films and thrillers centering around religion. Of course, The Exorcist being the best one ever, uh, the original Exorcist. Um, but I don't get this thing really of, of, of like frightening nuns in a horror way. Like I said, I think there are nuns that I've dealt with in the past when I went to Sunday school who were just like mean, who would like, when they could, can't do it anymore, I'm sure, you know, hit your you know, uh, knuckles with the ruler, those kinds of nuns. But I never saw nuns as being particularly like evil in that kind of like satanic kind of way. They never scared me. They were just mean sometimes. Like I said, are they really mean or really nice, right? They were the mean nuns, usually the older ones, the younger ones were the nice ones, right? So, you know, but I guess some people find nuns frightening just the way they find uh, clowns frightening. Okay, so that's it. Don't go see The Nun 2. So the only thing you can really do this weekend <clears throat> is sit home and watch football. Football's back, right? Football's back. Are you ready for football? 
Daniel, you ready for football? I know Bill's ready for football, but I don't think Daniel's ready for football. Are you ready for some football in those uh, Monday night parties? Anyway, that's football's back. But also, uh, you can go see if you haven't seen Oppenheimer, or you haven't seen you haven't seen Barbie yet. You can certainly do that. If you haven't seen uh, a Golda, you can go see that, or you can just sit home and watch football. It's up to you. All right, so. Uh, I'll be back. Sports ball, Daniel. That's right. Sports ball. All right. So I will be back Monday. I'll see everyone on Monday, Monday night. Back with you after the weekend. Everyone have a great weekend. The name of the show is And Let's Be Heard. And until Monday night, this is Micah Shopley reminding you that your influence counts. Use it. <laughs>